0: It's finally here, the fight of fights, the god Godzilla takes on the king of kings, King Kong, in a no-holds-barred fight! Wanna ring the bell? Alright. Ding, ding. Hey fam! As always, it's me, Larry, your host of Stay Watching, and I am super excited this week because I get to speak about one of my one of my loves for my entire life, Godzilla. So, um, this week on the podcast, I'm talking about Godzilla vs. Kong, the newest release uh, in the Godzilla and King Kong franchises. I it, it, you, you can you can just hear it right? You can just hear how excited I am. And hey, I, this is this is going to be an interesting one because what I did for you this week is I decided to go back and reacquaint myself with some of the older Godzilla movies, most specifically the original Godzilla, the first two Godzilla movies, uh, you know, Godzilla, Godzilla raids again, and then the third movie King Kong versus Godzilla, all to get prepared for this battle. Of, of course, I watched a few of the other Godzilla movies. I ended up watching Mothra versus Godzilla. I, I watched G- King Ghidorah, the the three-headed monster. I watched the legendary Godzilla movie, Godzilla: King of Monsters, and Kong Skull Island, all to get ready for this fight. And I've got some thoughts overall. Obviously, I'm going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong give you kind of a brief review of that, but just kind of talk about how this movie stacks up in terms of kind of the legacy of Godzilla and more, more Godzilla. Cause quite frankly, like I have a love hate relationship with King Kong. Uh, but we can get into that just a little bit later. So hold on. I will be right back. So I, I think before I really get into Godzilla versus Kong, I, I think it's important to do a little bit of table setting on Godzilla and, and kind of why I have always been drawn to Godzilla films and you know, what what it really is about Godzilla as a character, as a force of nature, however Godzilla is being portrayed in specific films, um, that that is kind of so enticing for me. So, you know, for for those of you who don't know, the Godzilla franchise started in 1954, and and what we got with that original Godzilla film, is, is really a, a, a horror film, you know, is a harrowing experience that reflects on kind of post-World War II Japan. You know, Godzilla is this monster that was designed with skin that, that looks like, you know, how people were burned by the atomic bombs at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And you know, his teeth is just the way that he was portrayed. It was, he was the slow lumbering death brought on by kind of man looking to seize the power of the gods. And, you know, I always thought that that kind of interpretation of Godzilla was, was really interesting and really terrifying. You know, uh, of course, you know, as a kid, I was really super interested in Godzilla fighting other monsters, but, but to, to be real as I got on, as I got older, as I learned more about the character and really what it represented and and went back time and time again to, to re-experience that kind of initial presentation of Godzilla, um, you know, it, 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 really started to, to stand out to me as, as something truly special and truly interesting with, with, with something really, really meaningful to say. And and that, that meaning got somewhat lost over the course of that next, over the course of that kind of initial era. So, you know, from 1954 to 1975, uh, was, was Godzilla's, was the, the Showa era of, 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 of Japan. And that relates to, um, you know, the specific Japanese emperor at the time, And, you know, really what we saw was in that first original black and white movie, you know, Godzilla is this terror. In the second movie, he's technically still a terror. The film didn't have as much to say. Um, You know, it really was just Godzilla is fighting another monster. Great. All right. We have to stop him. And they stop him. But by the third movie, the the first film in color, uh, we got King Kong versus Godzilla. Now, obviously this is a really important film for talking about Kong or Godzilla versus Kong a little bit later, but what was really interesting to me about this film was it, it kind of dropped everything meaningful that they had to say about Godzilla in favor of, all right, we have giant monsters, let them fight. And you know, it, it, there something kind of magical happens. Like this is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. One thing that I will say right now is the new Godzilla versus Kong is light years better. Um, Sure. There's dumb human stuff in both of these movies, but like, let me just give you like my small plot synopsis for King Kong versus Godzilla 1962. Uh, Basically what happens in this film? And just, just bear with me. Cause like, I have to get this off my chest because obviously as I, as I do these podcasts, like part of it is I get to talk to you about all of my thoughts and everything like that. No one else has really heard this except for maybe my sister, who I, who I talked to on the phone about some of this, but all right. So let me set this movie up for you. There is a pharmaceutical company that is sponsoring a show. The show's ratings are tanking. The pharmaceutical company is, you know, their, their, their head is basically like, we need to do something to get our ratings up, to sell our products. Like, so capitalism right off the bat. All right. So, so great. What are we going to do with that? In order to raise these ratings, this pharmaceutical company finds out about, Hey, there's some random monster on an island, or there's some crazy creature on this island. Let's go find out what it is. They go, they find out it's King Kong. What do they do? They get King Kong drunk, like lit, I'm not joking. King, they get King Kong drunk on sleepy juice so that they can put him on a boat and bring him back to Japan and get their shows ratings up. Meanwhile, somewhere near, you know, the Arctic, a American nuclear submarine crashes into a glacier where Godzilla has been kind of stuck. So at at the end of Godzilla Raids again, which was the, the movie right before this, the Japanese forces are able to trap Godzilla in ice. And so basically he just freezes, floats out into the ocean for several years and isn't freed until a nuclear submarine crashes into him. So what does Godzilla want to do? Time to come back to Japan and get some revenge. So The two Titans basically clash because random chance, random chance. So that movie was ridiculous, but there are some really iconic moments that come from it. And you've probably, if you've been on the internet getting ready for Godzilla versus Kong, you've definitely seen animated gifs from this film. You've seen King Kong taking out a tree and and trying to jam it into Godzilla's Mouth and Godzilla using his atomic breath and and laying the tree on fire as it, it bursts in his mouth and it, you know it's 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 ridiculous but it really. It really got things moving on what would kind of be this staple of Godzilla movies throughout the kind of showa period, with the exception of, of a few movies here and there that did have something a little bit more to say. Um, you know, stuff like Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, actually touches on some of our societal ills, and and you know, uh, Godzilla versus Ghidorah, or or, or or you know, the the smog monster does have a very environmental, you know, uh, aspect to it. So, so there are messages in these films, but it really is about Godzilla as becoming this kind of protector of man, protector of the planet and fighting these kind of threats. Um, and so it gets away from, from Godzilla as a response to, you know, kind of man's devastation of the planet, of man's kind of overreach in terms of power, in terms of energy grab, in terms of all of these different things. And so you know, again, little me didn't necessarily care about the message of these films. You know, that was something that came later for me and really made me love Godzilla as a franchise. Um, but it was really these fights and, and these this fun of seeing these monsters kind of attack each other. So when Legendary brought out, you know, kind of their, their new version of Godzilla in 2014, I, obviously I'm skipping over that kind of American Godzilla you know, that, that came out in the nineties, um, when legendaries Godzilla came out in 2014, you know, I was watching the trailers. I got really excited for it because what it started to feel like was, it was a throwback to kind of that original. Godzilla movie. And in some ways it was, in some ways it, it was looking at Godzilla as a force of nature, as a corrective force. But at the same time, we kind of got introduced to the, the insectoid giant monster Mudos, um, which are these nuclear energy eating bugs um, that just start to pop up and, and start to destroy Different things around the planet, looking for more nourishment, looking for n- more nuclear material, um, so that they can breed and 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 kind of you know proliferate across the planet, and so. You know, I thought that was a pretty interesting mix of those kind of two worlds that we were looking at this, you know, really environmental, but kind of anti-nuclear power, anti-nuclear war messaging, um, that we had from that original Godzilla film. Plus Godzilla is actually here to you know, in a sense, save the planet from these creatures or not necessarily save the planet for these creatures, but to exert its dominance as kind of the alpha predator on the planet, which I, I think is another kind of interesting take that we started to see with this version of Godzilla. It wasn't just, Hey, Godzilla is going to destroy man because man has decided to try to grasp God's fire. Godzilla is the dominant thing on the planet. He doesn't need to bother with man because he's not as much of a threat, but if he does become one, then Godzilla would strike out if he needed to. So that's kind of where we got there. At the same time, you know, legendary—they're—they're they're collecting monsters. They're—they're they're getting stuff for the toy box. In 2017, we get Kong Skull Island, and you know, this is a very different type of movie. So, Godzilla 2014 is a very slow lumbering movie. Godzilla is presented in this very slow lumbering way. Um, you know, even though I, I don't think Godzilla 2014 is a perfect film, there are a lot of great ideas. There's also a lot of stuff that they they really just they they could have done better, uh, especially in the story department, especially in the human story department. But you know, hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, but in Kong Skull Island, we got a much more vibrant giant monster movie. You know, it it takes place back in time during, you know, towards the end of the Vietnam War. Um, You have a group of people from Monarch who are going to study King Kong, who, who know about this island. They want to study this creature that they know is there they go, they face off with Kong, you know, it it becomes this whole thing. Some people just want to study him. Some people want to destroy him. And, you know, it, it turns into this really fun kind of dumb action movie. And in a lot of ways, you know, for people that wanted that kind of Showa era Godzilla action it was exactly what they needed it to be. Like King Kong is fighting other giant monsters. He's destroying helicopters. Man's trying to destroy him and can't. And it, 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 it worked for what it was, you know, it, it kind of understood the material it had and it understood to a degree, the audience that was going to watch that specific movie. And you know, I think that was something that was, that was kind of, kind of interesting, but in 2019, Legendary has a bit of a misstep. And, and one thing that's interesting about all of this is, you know, there's kind of diminishing returns on these films as they went forward. So, you know, Godzilla tw- 2014 comes out, does all right, you know, d- makes, makes some money. Kong Skull Island comes out, makes less money. You know, the next film, you know, 2019's Godzilla King of Monsters makes even less money than, than, uh, than Kong Skull Island. Uh, but what we get in this movie is we finally get the big screen return of, of King Ghidorah, uh, the three headed space monster. We get the return of Mothra, uh, you know, or at least the, the American introduction of Mothra uh, and Rodan. And, you know, we start to learn that there are all of these other kind of kaiju or, or giant monsters all over the planet. And, you know, this film you know, borrows somewhat from that that kind of Kong energy, where, all right, you know, we're gonna give you more giant monster spectacle. We're gonna give you more giant monster fights, but, you know, there was a big complaint on this film, and and really all of these legendary films, that there's there's kind of too much time spent with the human characters, which if you actually watch all of the Godzilla movies, you know, there is always a lot of time spent with the human characters. There's not always, you know, it's not always just Godzilla or, or, or whatever giant monster on the screen at all times. And I think people forget that a lot. And to be real, a lot of these human plots are dumb. And so this film gets a lot of hate, you know, for, for some good and some bad reasons. There's, there's some weird pacing issues. Again, there's a little too much emphasis on the human characters. Um, You know, but at the end of the day, for me, you know, the kaiju action, the monster on monster action is really exciting. And I, and I think a lot of the shots that they that they created for this film were really brilliant. But, you know, again, one of the things, one of the issues between the way Godzilla films were made by legendary and the way the kong skull island was made by legendary one of the things that we see is a very big difference between these films is you know kong gets to fight in broad daylight you know there aren't too many particle effects it's not raining it's not snowing not everything is covered in smoke we can see the kong character doing things and it makes the action very easy to read and understand and follow Godzilla movies, they were doing something completely different. There was always smoke, there was always rain or snow. There was always just so much going on in the particle department that, you know, it made some of the action that we were seeing unintelligible and, you know, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think in some ways they do some of that to cover up certain things in the CG or to just show that they can do that many particle effects. But you know, it was something that, that kind of took away from the action a bit. So when we saw the trailers for Godzilla versus Kong, one of the first things that stood out to me, besides the fact that we were finally getting a new version of Godzilla facing off with, with Kong or King Kong, whatever we want to call him, I guess, technically in this film, he became King, um, but it, it, it's just, it was so different because we are showed right off the bat, Hey, Godzilla and Kong are going to be fighting in broad daylight. We're going to be able to see every ounce of the action and who the action did not disappoint. So, you know, again, the human story is dumb, you know, and, 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 you know, I've, I've decided that with these podcasts, I'm going full spoilers. So sorry, you know, if you, if you don't want any spoilers, just tune out right now, watch the film. It's a breezy hour and 50 some minutes. It goes really fast. You'll hopefully have a good time. Then you can come back and listen to what I'm about to say. But basically, you know, the plot of this film is, um, there's something that is making Godzilla angry, so Godzilla is attacking specific points across the globe. Um, while that is going on, this specific research company called Apex um, is looking to get a power source from the Hollow Earth. So Hollow earth is this concept that there are all these pathways uh, from the Earth's surface to kind of the core of the planet, which exists as this hollow space, uh, with gravity inversions and all sorts of weird and mystical, magical giant species come from there. The thought is that's where Kong is from. That's where Godzilla is from and other giant Kai, all the other Kaiju that we see are from this area. So they want to find a way there. The best way that they can think of it is, you know, using Kong to take them there. And so while this is happening, on route to the entrance point to the Hollow Earth, Godzilla picks up that Kong is being moved. And as the alpha predator, Godzilla decides to attack. And so that's really where this starts off. And, you know, I'm gonna be real. The human elements, like, while I think the the Hollow Earth stuff is an interesting concept, it's an old concept, but it's an interesting concept. I like the way that it's used here there's a lot of kind of unnecessary human stuff. And, and it, I only say it's unnecessary because within the context of this film, much like the original film, we have Godzilla humans, you know, the humans that are there to track Godzilla and understand what's going on, what's provoking Godzilla. And they kind of find themselves uncovering what this company Apex is doing. Spoiler alert. It's Godzilla. They are trying to build a mechanical Godzilla so that they can defeat Kaiju so that man can be kind of the alpha predator on the planet once again. And then you also have the Kong humans who are concerned with going to the hollow earth, finding Kong's, you know, kind of home as it were. And, you know, these two kind of sets of humans don't really overlap with the exception of like some of the villain characters are are connected to the Kong, um, the Kong humans, but not so much to the Godzilla humans, even though there's just like a tad of overlap there. And there's, there's other weird stuff with the human characters and the plot lines. And, and quite frankly, I feel like something was cut out of this film because one of the villain characters is the son of a scientist who was in Godzilla 2014 and Godzilla King of the Monsters, who is obsessed with Godzilla. Uh, but his son is a character in this film. He is part of the evil team that is making Mechagodzilla. He's actually the pilot of that. And they don't really ever touch on the fact that his father loved Godzilla and he is trying to kill Godzilla. Sure. You know, I I don't think it takes a lot to realize that the son probably felt like Godzilla stole his father from him. Um, but would it have hurt to actually kind of explain some of the characters motivations and, and why he's doing this? I don't know. They probably cut it for time, but that was something that did bother me a little bit. But again, we're not here for the human characters. We're here for Godzilla We are here for Kong and their fights are excellent, you know? So, you know, obviously when that first trailer comes out, we get this shot of Godzilla fighting Kong on an aircraft carrier. That whole fight scene at sea is brilliant. It, it, it really is so much fun to watch. Um, their their next meeting, which happens later in the film in Hong Kong, is also you know there's it's kind of like a two part segmented fight in in that section. That's also excellent. And then you know again their their, their team up at the end to fight Mechagodzilla was great and. You know, again, like they're watching this film because the other thing that I'll say is, you know, a a friend celebrated their birthday early, rented out a theater. So we got to see it in theaters, even though there was a bit of an issue with some of the speakers in the the theater, some of the sound was not the best at certain times. the smile on my face as Godzilla and Kong were fighting was like, I, I can't even describe it. And and part of what it was, you know, and I realized I, I talk a lot about nostalgia and, and what nostalgia works and what nostalgia doesn't. And I think for me, this is a specific case where the nostalgia worked because quite frankly, this was what I imagined All of those Godzilla movies looked like when I was a kid. You know, when I was watching, you know, Destroy All Monsters, when I was watching All Monsters Attack, like, this in my mind was what those fight scenes looked like. This is, you know, Look, I love the guys in suits. I love all of that stuff. Like, It doesn't matter what era of Godzilla we're talking about. Um, Obviously, the the newest era of Godzilla, the the Rewa era uh, with with Shin Gojira and all that. Technically speaking, now Godzilla is CG generated, uh, but he is designed in a way to be reminiscent of what people in suits would be like. So there is a bit of uh, jank to it that works. Uh, But you know, again, like I think this is, this is, you know, your childhood imagination finally brought to the big screen in the way that you kind of imagine it. And, and technically speaking, like I got some of that from Godzilla King and monsters. Like I understand why. You know, some people would not enjoy that film, but you know, obviously for me, the monster on monster action worked. This film just cranks it up. And I, and I think having having the differences in the way that Godzilla and King Kong are portrayed in these films just works perfectly. You know, Godzilla has this slow moving, lumbering, you know, path of destruction while King Kong is agile. And just the way that they clash with one another is so much fun. I've actually, at the time of recording this, technically speaking, I have watched this film three times, or at least had it on three times. So I saw it in theaters. I watched it again the next day because of the audio issues. And and just because frankly, I, I needed something to decompress from work. And this was the most fun thing that I could think of to watch. And then, you know, yesterday while I was doing some meal prep, I just put it on again, because why not? It's just the fight scenes are so much fun to watch. And, you know, and again, I think that's something that, it feels like it finally got the formula right. Like we know, we know that the human stuff is going to be kind of dumb. So let's keep it short. Let's, let's just kind of stitch together moments of giant monster action with these silly little human moments, you know, one set of humans we're going to use completely for comedic, uh, you know, comedic relief. Um, I don't know if they were always good for me, the comedy didn't work, but again, you know, knowing that they are probably aiming for potentially like a, a younger audience with some of this stuff, you know, it might work for that audience. I, I don't fully know. I, I'm not talking to anybody within that age group who could tell me, but, you know, again, I, I think that's something that works really well for them. You know, they do have some fun sci-fi concepts. So that's something that you can, you know, can kind of think about. One of the things that they do in this film is, you know, akin to another legendary property. So, um, you know, one of the things that actually popularized the phrase kaiju in the States is the film Pacific Rim, you know, the giant robots fighting giant monsters. And you know, technically speaking, one of the things that they do in, in, in this film is, you know, Mechagodzilla is sort of like a Jaeger from, uh, from the Pacific Rim movies. You know, the, the pilot has to more or less achieve drift compatibility, uh, which that will mean nothing to some of you who are listening to this, but go check out Pacific Rim. If you want to see giant robots fighting giant monsters, it's another fun movie. Uh, Guillermo del Toro did a really, really good job with that one. Um, ridiculous cast, you know, ridiculous special effects. It's just so much fun. And, and so for me, this film, you know, this film kind of brought that same energy that something like Pacific Rim did. And, you know, I I think, you know, if we're going to go with giant monsters, if we're going to go with giant robots, stuff like that, it needs to be over the top. It needs to be action packed. It needs to be entertaining with just a little bit of silliness mixed in there. Uh, again, one of the things that both Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters did a little too much, even though there were jokes in Godzilla King of the Monsters, both films took themselves way too seriously, especially for not having a. a I don't want to say they didn't have a real message because I think there is a message in both of those films, but they, they failed to fully understand what they were and where they kind of exist in the context of kind of these creatures and the history of things. And so, you know, I I think this is something that Godzilla versus Kong For me, in a lot of ways, kind of cracked the code on how do we make a giant monster film in the current era? How do we tap into nostalgia in the right way? How do we make it entertaining for today's audiences? And how do we just have fun with it? You know, and I think overall, that's kind of what I, I, I took away from this, you know, and, you know, and part of this might be just a, a byproduct of a lot of the films that I watched recently have been overly serious or, or have had very heavy topics, you know, you know, even, even to a degree. So, you know, I talked about the Snyder cut in the last episode of this podcast, but, you know, when we look at the Snyder cut, when we look at the Snyder universe of DC characters, you know, one of the issues that a lot of people have with it is that it is too self-serious. And, and I would echo that in a lot of ways. And so for me, Godzilla versus Kong is like the perfect type of palate cleanser because they basically, the filmmakers are basically saying, we know this is silly. You know, we know this is over the top and we're going to, we're going to run with it and we're going to have fun with it and you're going to enjoy it. You know, cause this is what you've wanted this entire time, you know? And I think you know, again, you know, I think there's room for both. I think there's room for kind of these self serious stories uh, or, or the overly serious stories. But I also think there's a lot of room and there's a lot of need right now, especially given, you know, hey, you know, one of the things that we have to talk about is this film is releasing while there's still a pandemic, but it's at a point where a lot more people are getting vaccinated. Theaters are reopening. So theaters in LA, New York are open again. So people are going to see this movie. And, you know, again, at the time that I'm talking about this, you know, this is release weekend for the film, uh, but this is the biggest release of the pandemic era. Uh, So there is a hunger for this dumb escape movie movie because we've been cooped up. Everything's been horrible. A lot of the films that we've been getting that have been released have been, you know, just, just harrowing in a lot of different ways. And, you know, to have a breezy hour, 50 minute, you know, smash them up fun time film, you know, it just, it just worked. And, you know, again, for me, made me feel like a kid again. Um, But it also, it also helped me take my mind off of all of these different things, you know, you know, so obviously at at work, you know, I've talked about this in the past, like I work in higher education. Part of my job right now is I'm working on communications in regards to, you know, how do we come back from this pandemic? And a lot of this stuff is hard. It's, It's a lot of hard stuff to think about. And, you know, you you find yourself you know just sometimes at the end of the day just so burnt out that you don't want to engage with anything and you know Godzilla versus Kong was something that I could look forward to to get excited about to to smile about and you know I I think that's ultimately where a lot of people are coming at this film from you know we we want to enjoy something that 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 doesn't you know that that doesn't overthink it, and and I think that's what was ultimately so much fun about this film, and why I've kind of engaged with it so much over the past few days. You know, and and again, you know, I I love serious Godzilla with a message. You know, I I think it's important to not forget that that's where Godzilla came from, and. And frankly, that's something that's really interesting about a lot of the reincarnations of Godzilla. So when we look back at the history of Godzilla, you know, there's two other two eras that came after the Showa era, which is, you know, again, Showa is that time period that most people remember 1954 to 1975. Godzilla takes a little bit of break after that and returns for the Heisei era, which is 1984 to 1995. And rather than keep most of those films from the Showa era in continuity. They decide to only keep that original Godzilla film. So Godzilla was, was, was dead and gone at the end of Godzilla, 1954, 1984, a new Godzilla returns. Um, you know, and then again, for the millennia era for the millennium era, they do the same thing where it's like everything that came before is gone. It's just out of continuity. Godzilla has come back in 1999 for the first time since 1954. Obviously it's a new Godzilla because we killed him in the first movie. Um, you know, and I, and I think there's, there's something there where, you know, with Godzilla, we, we constantly get, you know, this reinvention of the character. We, we constantly get, you know, this this creature that is changing itself, changing what it's about, changing what it represents. You know, you know, sure, sometimes it's this this nuclear threat, it's the earth, it's the earth's antibody lashing out against the virus that is man. You know, sometimes we have that and 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 I love that version of Godzilla. I think the stories that are told with that in 1954, Godzilla in 1984, Godzilla in, you know, 1999 Godzilla somewhat in, in, in Shin Gojira. Like I I think those stories are really interesting, but you know, I, I, I can't pretend I also like, you know, rampaging monster that wants to fight other monster Godzillas, you know, that we, we've gotten in a bunch of different films at this point. And, and then finally, like, I also love, you know, what we got in a lot of the, the Showa and and even some of the Heisei and Millennia era, which is, you know, kind of Godzilla defender of the planet. Like there are creatures that are worse than Godzilla that that want to just do damage for damage sake. And, and here is this creature that that is here to defend us. Like, look, he's no Gamera protector of the children, but he is here to save the planet from aliens, from giant robots. And it, it's just a lot of fun. So, you know, I love that Godzilla has been able to reinvent himself in all of these different ways. I, I personally, don't think King Kong has ever really gotten that amount of love. Um, you know, the, the part of the problem for me, and this does crop up in Godzilla versus Kong, but for me, there's, there's always this issue of, you know, colonization when it comes to the, the Kong King Kong character, there's, it, it, it usually ends up being Let me be frank, like a white man or a rich man or whoever, finds out about this creature on this island that is filled with indigenous people they decide to Columbus that place and take the creature which is a is a delicate piece of that ecosystem away from that place that it's from and and kind of just put it on display and and that's something that so many of the King Kong films so many of the Kong films just do um which I can't stand. And I, and I think that's part of, you know, why I have issues with Kong and a lot of Kong films so much. And, even, you know, even some of the, the kind of, you know, I hate to, to phrase it, like some of the, 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 the racial undertones of, of these King Kong movies, are often really distracting in this way that it takes away from my ability to enjoy them. Um, even Kong Skull Island has aspects of this where you know, you know, and, and again, like I, I, know we're supposed to watch Kong Skull Island as a, a fun adventure film, but you know, there's a part of me that that can't always kind of turn those things off, and so. Samuel Jackson has a character in Kong Skull Island, you know. So we, we, if we look at King Kong as a character, a movie character, that has constantly had, you know, these racial undertones. The idea of taking a savage beast um, from a foreign land. This savage beast is lusting after the white woman, like all of those different things. So, like. All of that's always going to be in my head when I try to engage with the King Kong character. They did a much better job of that with Godzilla versus Kong by like kind of eliminating a lot of that, but they also kind of eliminated the indigenous people of his island. And if you've watched the film, you probably were scratching your head a little bit about that as well. Um, but within the context of Kong Skull Island, Samuel Jackson plays this character who is, you know, he's he's a military guy. He he wants to do the job. He feels angry that the U S is pulling out of Vietnam. And it's weird to me, given that this is a black man, you know, and given the attitude of a lot of black people who were forced to go to Vietnam and the number of black people that protested going to Vietnam, that a black character would be the one who is so upset about being forced to pull out of Vietnam and then is thus the one who, who starts this, you know, the suicide mission to destroy the Kong character. Like for me that, that that, like, it bothers me so fundamentally that like, it's, it's one of those things though, where the people that are writing these films Probably don't even think about that stuff. You know that that doesn't enter their minds at all. They're just like, we have this great idea for this character. This is what they're gonna be like. I think Samuel Jackson would be great for it. They don't think about the they don't think about the subtext. They don't think about the the history behind these things and how they kind of impact the story that's being told or how different audiences are going to react to them. Um, so again, I I think that's part of why you know, for me, out of all of these legendary films, out of Godzilla, you know, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Kong Skull Island, and Godzilla vs. Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong works the best for me because... They decided, hey, like a lot of the subtext, a lot of the things, the, you know, a lot of the messaging, a lot of the stuff that can be misinterpreted or misread or, you know, leave a really bad taste in people's mouth, with the exception of, hey, we've killed all of the indigenous people on Kong's Island, you know, or a storm did. A storm. I bet it was, I bet it was the white man, but, you know, hey, whatever. Um, it it, it, it it removes almost all of that. And so we're really just allowed to enjoy this film on the merits of being a dumb, fun blockbuster with a giant lizard fighting a giant monkey. So look, I, I could go on all day talking about kaiju, talking about giant monsters and, and what I want to see next. You know, I think, part of the issue right now. And, you know, I've heard some varying things about the way this film was reframed, which is another part of the reason why I think some things were removed, um, I believe some of the Hollow Earth stuff was supposed to come uh, as like a post-credit scene in the film, uh, but but kind of got integrated into the film instead. And so, you know, I, I believe probably what we're gonna get with the next Kong film is like Kong Hollow Earth or something like that, where there is more exploration of that place and we we get to meet other kaiju. Again, that's if they decide to continue with this series, which uh, granted Godzilla versus Kong highest performing film during the pandemic, you know, definitely going to be a success in Warner Brothers eyes. I guarantee you it's getting a lot of streams. So there's, there's probably a good likelihood that they are going to continue their partnership with Toho to retain the Godzilla character. They're probably going to you know continue making some King Kong stuff. You know, we can only hope I think this is this was the good right next step, and I'm really excited to see if they can keep this momentum and keep making fun versions of these films that work, um, and maybe cut out some of the 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 not so great stuff um, that we've seen in the past from these characters. So. I'm going to leave it at that. I mean, there, there's something that I, that I thought I, I almost thought about going into a comparison of, of Godzilla versus Kong and Batman V Superman, Dawn of justice, but let's be real. Then I'm sorry, Snyder fans. I, I think Godzilla versus Kong is a better version of the same film. <laughs> So tell me what you thought. Did you love Godzilla versus Kong? Did you hate Godzilla versus Kong? Did you at least like the fight scenes? If you didn't love Godzilla versus Kong, I want to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts on the film at stay watching pod on Twitter or reach out directly to me at Larry Tron. Uh, you can also shoot us an email, stay watching pod at gmail.com. Um, Look, I don't know what the coming weeks are going to hold. Right now, I'm watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and uh, there's definitely a bonus episode that I want to record, or it might turn into a full-fledged episode. I haven't decided yet. I really want to talk about the state of black sidekicks in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's something that's been bothering me for the last few weeks, but Hey, I I don't know when that will be coming out, but it will be, uh, obviously a lot of stuff coming up soon. You know, we're going to have a mortal Kombat movie on the horizon. Uh, Oscar season is going to be approaching. I have a few more best picture nominations that I need to watch. Once I've watched those, I will definitely be like in years past creating my guide or my thoughts on kind of the top films for the best uh, picture category. Um, And we have a few other things that, that I'm trying to figure out how I want to talk about them on the podcast. So stay tuned. A lot of great stuff coming up. As always, fam, stay watching. Peace.